Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 17th episode of Balls Over the Top. we got a great show for you tonight. I'm your host, Michael Rock. I'm your host, Brendan Collins. We're excited to have you here. Thanks for stopping by. To get things started, we're just going to jump right into things. We have a lot of exciting things going on mm-hmm. overseas mm-hmm. in the world of football. Absolutely. Uh, Really, with Champions League. I mean, the Champions League has started. We get midweek action. We've still had our domestic cups, or not domestic cups, but domestic leagues playing on the weekends. We've had a lot of good games to watch. Mm-hmm. These players have certainly been busy. We've had we've had kind of a brutal schedule for them with them playing, you know, matches on the weekend and then midweek having to play European matches. Yeah, so, you know, we see Group A, Bayern Munich has remained dominant. I mean, they're in there. Red Bull Leipzig has had a, a little bit of a tough go. They just kind of had a tough match against Bayern. Really, back and forth that game was was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, no, that wasn't Leipzig. Sorry, no, it was, it was Red Salzburg. Bull Salzburg. My yeah. apologies, Red Bull Salzburg. And Atletico Madrid has been really playing well over there as well. It's going to be interesting to see when those two teams clash. Yes, that'll definitely be a spectacle. We've got a very interesting situation in Group B. Borussia Mönchengladbach is at the top, and Real Madrid and Inter are at the 3-4, and four, bottom of the group respectively. Yeah, Shakhtar sitting there in second place, really started out with an early upset over Madrid. Then... Got a solid result the following week as well. And we're seeing Inter and Madrid struggling. Uh, It's interesting to see this. You know, the two teams that I expected to come out of that group. Obviously, Madrid is a perennial powerhouse in Europe. Inter Milan has been looking really good with Antonio Conte in charge. They made a solid run, finished second in the Serie A last season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm shocked. In uh, in Group C, Manchester City so far has been, I, I'll just say it, dominant. I yeah. mean, really, they haven't had a scare at all. And meanwhile, Marseille is sitting there at the bottom. No goals scored so far. Yeah. So Seven against. Yeah, the French side really looking to get on the board with the second half of the group stage set to get underway. All of the European competition, by the way, on a break this upcoming weekend for the international break. So we're going to see both Champions League and domestic leagues all taking the week off. But moving on in Group D, Liverpool's perfect. And then Ajax and Atalanta are both tied, really trying to get that second spot to move forward. Mm-hmm. Try and not drop into the Euro. It's going to be an interesting one. I mean, Ajax, obviously a perennial, the king of of the Dutch, Eredivisie, really. I mean, they're always the top club there, but they're also a major feeder club. And they are always selling off really big, talented players to other parts of Europe. I mean, just this past offseason, they sent Ziyech and Van de Beek over to the Premier League. Yeah. So, and Onana's got constant transfer rumors, transfer rumors swirling around him. So, Ajax, it's, it's incredible that they stay as competitive as they are with as much turnover 
as they have. With Atalanta, this is a team that I feel like just can't seem to get on the right track. I mean, they seem to be dominant some weeks Mm -hmm. with kind of a their attack looking like they can score goals at will with Luis Muriel and Papo Gomez, and yet other weeks they're just stagnant and they look like they have no creative touch, like they don't know what to do with the ball when they find it. And mm-hmm. so, and we're seeing that both in Europe and in the domestic league in the Serie A, it just seems like Atalanta can't seem to get their footing. Well, it's a, it's a tale of two midfields. When their midfield plays well, you know, it's lights out. You can see them scoring five goals in a competition no matter who they're facing. And then all of a sudden, they can't move the ball out their own half. So it it, it will be interesting to see where these uh, where these end up in Group D. Right now, we've got a Group E. It, it's a very good contest so far, and Chelsea and Sevilla are tied, uh, both with seven points in the competition. Yeah, I mean, I imagine that's what most people expected. Ren and, I believe, Krasnodar, yeah, Krasnodar. Are, the, are the two other teams in that league. And they're just on another class than Chelsea and Sevilla. Yeah. Sevilla really coming off of, weren't they the winners of the Europa League this mm-hmm. past season? And always competitive. I mean, they're usually not the top three in La Liga. Which they're is normally why, top five. Which is why they're... You have so much success in the Europa League. I mean, no clubs won it more than Sevilla has. Mm-hmm. But they're always behind Barcelona and both Madrids. But they're a good team. Mm-hmm. And they, like I said, always make noise in the Europa League. And you would expect them and Chelsea to be the two that, that come out of that group in Group E. I'm sure you're pretty happy with how Group F is shaping up right now. It looks pretty good. Dortmund's got the you know the number one spot pretty much locked up for them, um, and getting to see them advance through European competition. I mean, I mean, it doesn't always happen. We've had a couple of years of some <coughs> rough group stage matchups. And this one's looking like we're going to get to get out the group relatively unscathed. Yeah, and then we have two big European giants fighting for the top in Group G with Barcelona and Juventus. Mm-hmm. That one's going to be, again, pretty explanatory. I mean, it's just a matter of seeding. I feel like which one of those two makes it out of the group. Yeah, right now Barcelona's got the advantage with nine points to Juve's seven. The group that I'm way more excited for is Group H, which I think a lot would call the group of death this year, with Leipzig, Manchester United, and Paris Saint-Germain. Mm-hmm. Really, it's crazy that only two of them are going to make it out of the group. Obviously, you'd expect whatever one doesn't to be a, become an immediate favorite of the Europa League. Absolutely. But it's been fascinating. United have had some incredible performances. And then they've had performances where they can't seem to get out of their own way. Yep. Very uninspired. Absolutely. So it'll be interesting to see how that group shapes up. Yeah. I mean, right now PSG is in that third place spot following a loss to Red Bull Leipzig uh, after an early um, goal from Angel Di Maria. They went up in like the sixth minute and then they couldn't get... 
couldn't get back out their own half. They are missing Neymar. They are missing Kylian Mbappe, which, I mean, when you're missing what could possibly be, you know, two top five players in the world right now, definitely has an impact at the same token. But, like, then, then, of course, after United gets the huge wins over both Leap, really a dismantling of Leipzig 5 0, and the huge upset win over PSG in Paris, they come out and they lose to Istanbul Bakishtas 2 to 1 this past week. Yep. And United, while they've had those big results in the Champions League, and I know we'll get to this in a moment, but seems to have been totally of late a mess in the premier league Mm -hmm. and so it's it's pretty interesting it's great it's going to be interesting to see how that group shapes up with united being all over the place with their form leipzig obviously being pretty dominant right now in the bundesliga but then crawling up to second but then getting smacked around so far in the champions league and then PSG dropping major results. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to see how that league shapes out, shapes up. I mean, bang for buck, that's the most exciting players playing against each other. Definitely. For the most part in any given group. Moving on from the Champions League competition and moving over to some of the domestic cups over in Europe... We had a, a handful of exciting games this past weekend. Absolutely. Starting in my favorite league, in the Premier League, my boys Chelsea had a very convincing come-from-behind victory. They won 4-1 to one yeah. against Sheffield United after conceding a very early goal, going down one nothing, ending Edward's, Edward Mendy's like, four-match clean sheet streak. Mm-hmm. The team really rallied, and and the game never really seemed in doubt. Even when they were down one to nothing, it it just seemed a matter of time until they would score and then score again, and they just seemed to keep doing it. Four to one, Hakim Ziyech, who I mentioned previously coming from Ajax, has looked incredible. I mean, his creative touch has been impeccable. I'm really excited to see what he's able to do once Christian Pulisic is healthy. Maybe with a, you know, a front four with, you know, maybe Werner up top. Then you have Havertz at a central attacking mid, possibly with Pulisic and Ziyech out wide. Or you go Pulisic and Havertz out wide with Ziyech in a central attacking role. I mean, you just rotate all. You have all, all sorts of, of options, and it's really exciting. Absolutely. Meanwhile, I just mentioned them as being falling apart. Manchester United did actually start to right the ship this past weekend. Yeah, well, but they're they falling apart less than their opponents this weekend. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Everton, uh, Manchester United got a 3-1 to one win over Everton this past weekend. And I got to say, I mean, you know, shouts out to a friend of ours, friend of the show, Tom Leahy, big Manchester United fan. He and I have been talking constantly about their results, and, and they're just, they've been in a free fall of late. It's yeah. obviously they're happy to right the ship. Again, Everton, a team that we were just talking about with title aspirations or possibly European aspirations, they've been totally in a free fall as well. Yeah, really. And so right now it's about whichever team could stop the bleeding. And United, they did look pretty decent in this matchup 
they were though sitting in something like 15th place coming into this game. I mean, something totally unacceptable for a team of their pedigree. You know, I think that a, a, a win going into this international break, though, is something that was much needed, and hopefully these players can maybe build upon that momentum and they can come back looking like a new team because they need to. Yes, they definitely need a little bit of a revitalization. Uh, elsewhere in the Premier League, we had the Spurs take a 1-0 victory against West Brom and Leicester take a 1-0 victory against Wolves. These are both clubs that are towards the top of the table and are looking to try and stay there. Well, you know, it's pretty fascinating. Like you said, they are teams at the top of the table. They're teams that are kind of, in their minds, would be expecting to be at the top of the table, but I think in most other people's minds, they wouldn't be. You look at a team like the Spurs, they've been disappointing the last several seasons considering the just pure talent that's on that roster, and they haven't really made any major additions. I know they brought back Gareth Bale, and that's a big deal. Maybe that's even more of a morale boost than it is a sheer talent boost at this point in his career, but they're just a team that never seems to make that big splash They've definitely had have gotten lucky with players that they've really developed or bought low on. Again, you look at Harry Kane, you look at Deli Ali, you look at Huangman's son. But there just seems to be this lack of backing from the board or whatever it is financially for them to really make the big splash and aggressively try and put themselves over the top. And I think that's why we don't see them in the Champions League every year. But big win by the Spurs. Leicester obviously looking to get back on the horse after falling out of the top four last season. And I think we saw a big uh, a big thing this this week of the scoring in the Premier League kind of coming back down to earth. They were on a record-setting trend with the amount of goals that were scored the first few weeks. And now we're starting to see some zeros on the board and starting to see some more reasonable score lines. That being said, Aston Villa did get the best of Arsenal 3-0. So we did see, you know, Chelsea, Everton, and, sorry, Chelsea, Manchester United, and Aston Villa all putting up three goals or more. Chelsea had four, but everybody else was one or less. We did see the 1-1 draw in that Man City-Liverpool. Again, a matchup you would expect a lot of fireworks in there. But a little bit quieter of a game. Yeah, I mean, both sides are kind of still trying to find their identity. I mean, at this point in the season, you know, Liverpool is dealing with injury issues. They're dealing with a very busy schedule, as is Man City. I think both teams are happy to get out of this one with a with a draw and at least a point to their to their names. Yeah, we saw a pretty crazy thing, which was a off-target missed penalty kick by Kevin De Bruyne in this game when, you know, could have given Manchester City the lead. Uh, I think Manchester City would be, of the two teams, the more disappointed of the two coming out of this match with just one point. And I think that would be highlighted by the off-target missed penalty by Kevin De Bruyne. I mean, that's quite the rare sight. He doesn't miss many. 
So how about uh, the Bundesliga this week? What what are, were some of the results there that caught your eye? Fine. We can talk about it. Dortmund lost. They lost to Bayern. This is what happens in the Bundesliga. Bayern beats your team. And then you got to talk about it on your podcast. Uh, yeah, they won 3-2. Dortmund at one point had the lead. Didn't look like they were going to hold it, though. Uh, this Bayern team is just a tough team to stop. Um, Bayer Leverkusen and Maglabach had a real shootout this weekend. We got to see a 4-3 game. Lots of fireworks in that one. Um, many many of the, the names you recognize, Lars Stindl getting a goal in there, putting his team on top. Uh, Leipzig beat Freiburg 3 nothing. Uh, Leipzig moves into second place with this victory following Dortmund's loss. Yeah, it was an interesting week. Schalke still winless, drawing again against Mainz. Another bottom table team. That's kind of fun. Yeah, I mean, I have a little bit of a soft spot for Schalke. I know they're, I know. they're enemies of, of your favorite club, so you like to give them a hard time. It but... would suck if they were relegated. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely a top-tier, a top-division club, I should yeah. say. So, keep an eye on that as the story, as the, not story, as the season progresses. The story of the season. Yeah. In the Serie A, it was an interesting week. Powerhouse or top-of-the-table matchup, Lazio and Juventus ended in a pretty unexciting 1-1 draw. We did see Cristiano Ronaldo score early on, and then... Lazio really netted in the absolute last moment. I mean, it was a, a big mistake. Paolo Dybala trying to dribble the ball up the field, accidentally taps it out of bounds for a throw-in in the 94th minute and four minutes of stoppage time. Lazio throws it in, kicks the ball up, uh, you know, upfield, get the ball, gets the ball in the box, gets the ball in the net. Game over. Last kick of the uh, last touch of the ball in the match was the game or the game eat tying goal for that to finish one one. In the Atalanta versus Inter game, we also saw one one draw. So really, two two matchups featuring the top clubs in the Serie A, both ending in pretty uneventful draws. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could argue the Lazio versus Juventus game was eventful in the in its ending and its conclusion. But the game itself was relatively not unexciting. Yeah, relatively tame. Then uh, Roma did get themselves a win, three to one, with a Henrik and Katarian hat trick. Yeah, your boy. Yeah, big fan of his. So absolutely impressive. Good to see him. Uh, good to see him get a hat trick. Probably, probably. He's been good. He's been pretty good for uh, Roma. Likes to complain about him, but I think he's been pretty good for Roma. He's always going to be one of those players where a lot of it is about the players that you have around him. He's a good cog in a machine, but he's yeah. not going to be a feature player. And uh, we also saw AC Milan get a two-two draw against Hellas Verona. Yeah, a game that cost me a lot of money and a mm-hmm. bet. I, I had a big bet that uh, would have paid off about two grand and had AC Milan won and they did not. Another crazy sight. We saw this twice again. Well, again, it's crazy to see this kind of thing happen twice in one weekend. Zlatan Ibrahimovic 
after after AC Milan won a penalty in the second half, like early second half, like 60th minute, misses the target on what it would have been the game tying penalty, or sorry, game tying goal, I guess. Uh, and it was it was pretty brutal. Just you, we see two world class players that day: Kevin De Bruyne, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, not even putting a penalty kick on target. PKs that you're expecting to be almost automatic, and two players world class that you would expect that you would you would put you know your all the faith in the world in them and hitting it, and they both couldn't even get it on target. And they weren't even close there. Both pretty ugly, pretty off target attempts. Moving over to La Liga, we did see a couple interesting results there. Atletico Madrid continued to roll. They got a 4-0 victory against Cadiz. Real Sociedad got a 2-0 win over Granada. Staying at the top of the table, baby. Yeah, staying up top there. Well, and that's because we're seeing some teams struggle. Real Madrid continues to struggle, having lost 4-1 to to Valencia, a game they were heavily favored to win. People kind of thought they were back on the wagon after... Getting a big win against uh, who was their matchup in in uh, the was, was it Inter? No, they got a big oh, win against in, Inter in, in, in against, the Champions League. Yeah, in the Champions League, I think everybody kind of thought they were back on it. They they had the big win in El Clasico, mm-hmm. and they just totally got embarrassed by Valencia. And then lastly, the other team struggling. Barcelona actually seems to get back on the right track this past weekend with a 5-2 thrashing of Betis. Messi, two goals and an assist, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. So uh, maybe this is a turning of a page for that team that really just has not seemed to be able to figure it out. With You know, Ronald Koeman just seems like... He's trying every which way to to turn the turn the tide with them, and nothing seems to be working. Nothing's really so. And maybe this is the start of a new page. Well, they do have a quite a setback, losing a promising young winger Ansu Fati for several months with what appears to be a knee injury. He's That's been, true. It did come out quite good this season so far. Did come out. He may miss up to four months with that, which. Really puts him as to coming back in March, April, maybe the very last push of the season there. So they're going to have to figure it out and maybe figure it out in the upcoming transfer window. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Moving on, looking elsewhere from the European domestic leagues, mm-hmm. we have the international break coming up as they l- look to take a break. We look toward this break with some anticipation. Absolutely. As the U.S. men's national team, I believe, what, are they playing? Is it Wales? It is. We have a friendly against Wales. Friendly against Wales coming up, and this is going to be one of the first times we're going to get to see a lot of these players. Yeah, it's a very new generation. Exactly. Donning the colors really... Suddenly, there's this young crop of European-developed... Mm-hmm. American talent ready to be injected into this team. And it's very exciting. Sadly, it does look as though Christian Pulisic is going to be out for a little while. He is. He did get called up, though, and they're, he's in doubt for the game against Wales, but we still could see him during 
I did see he wants to travel with the team, but I'm seeing that that is in question as to whether or not he will get the approval on both sides. I don't know if the national team wants to accommodate bringing him in in the place of somebody else, possibly, if he really won't be able to play. And I also don't know if Chelsea is too keen on him doing all, trying to make all of this happen while he's still injured. With especially with all of the protocols, like if you're not going to play, why risk all the COVID exposure, the additional injury exposure, the you know X, Y, and Z? So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. But nonetheless, we have a lot to look forward to with this team. Absolutely. I mean, this is this is an extremely young squad, as we've been mentioning, but. The average age of the squad is just 23.1 years of age. Um, We're seeing stars Winston McKinney, Gio Reyna, Zach Steffen, Sergio Dest. A lot of talent from top-tier clubs. I mean, Juve, Dortmund, Man City, Barcelona. All clubs that are absolute mainstays in Europe. Yeah, Chelsea. The, yeah, and Chelsea too with Pulisic getting getting the seasoning over there. Really going to be exciting to see what they bring to the stage. Um, lots of lots more plenty young guys to talk about too. But we'll we'll talk about that more as we look at the match previews coming up. Yeah, moving over to more of a I guess U.S. focused soccer and the MLS season just wrapped up, which. We have a very exciting moment. Oh, I thought that was a drum roll. It's just drums. Why is that not a drum roll? It's all good. We can cut all this. Yeah, we can cut all this. This fucking... Anyway. Moving over from the U.S. men's national team in Europe, we have more U.S. Central soccer to talk about with the MLS. And a very exciting moment for us here in Philadelphia as the Philadelphia Union, when they're first piece of silverware for the club, their first trophy, as they clinch, wrapped up, whatever you want to call it, secured the supporter shield. They, they've done it the best regular season in the MLS. Uh, this coming off the performances of Brendan Aronson, uh, Sergio Santos, Casper Chevalco. Yeah. Alejandro Bedoya. I mean, really, Andre Blake might have been the most valuable player to the team this year. Mm-hmm. I, I know Brandon Aronson was a maybe the breakout player, mm-hmm. or maybe even Fontana. I mean, there were all sorts of players on this team that deserve all the credit. That's what the th- special thing was about this team, and really it is special about this Philadelphia Union team is while I will be like sad, for example, to see Brandon Aronson go, mm-hmm. This is a team that is not made or or broken by any one individual. Absolutely not. They they get contributions from virtually everywhere. We've seen all sorts of injuries. We've seen all sorts of suspensions having people out of the lineup. And yet it, it almost seems as if they don't skip a beat. You know, even the last few games where it really mattered when they needed to secure the points for the supporter shield, they didn't have Andre Blake, who I just said was maybe the most important player on the yeah, team. They're running with Matt Fries and Matt Fries once again looked 
Yeah, more other, than, than, more than, other than the Columbus game, which you really can't put on him. No. So they got the contributions from everywhere. And so even with Brandon Aronson leaving, which is sad, he's tons of funds to watch. And I mean, I say it's sad, but the deal was great. I'm excited to see what he does in Salzburg, and I'm excited to see what he does in the U.S. men's national team. I'm not terrified because no. I have I have faith mm-hmm. in what Jim Curtin's doing. I have faith in the way this team is run and the way that they get contributions from everyone. Oh, if Casper's out of the lineup, uh, oh well. If if Ilsenio can't make it in this game, oh well. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just like they they have whether it's the academy that yeah. you blame or, or point to, whether it's the coaching that you point to. Whether no it's the what, smart smart pickups in the designated or, or player tactics, spots. whatever you want to refer to it as, I, I'm very happy with the way they're run, and they're they're showing that they might end up, you know, they might be the organization to look to for how to run an MLS franchise. Yes, not having to rely on the splash signings of Zlatan or bringing in Gonzalo Higuain mm-hmm. or these ludicrous things that these other clubs have had to resort to in order to be competitive. Mm -hmm. This is like a systematic foundation for success. Yes. It's, it's very much cultural. I mean, we've already, we've already seen the first Academy product to sell to Europe. It's a, it's an impressive, it's an impressive feat, but right now we got, uh, the MLS, playoff picture to talk about this is this is really exciting obviously philadelphia coming in as the number one seed in the eastern conference meaning that we don't know who we're going to play yet because the eastern conference has a play-in round uh nashville will face off against miami the seven versus the 10 seed and new england will face off against montreal the eight and nine seed respectively yeah so those both of those matchups should be exciting to watch i would like to see miami make the playoffs in their first season but you never know what's going to happen i mean i I don't know if i prefer any team no matter who wins we're going to have to play them in in, well not no matter who wins i guess montreal could beat new england and then they're the lowest seed if nashville wins or you know whatever it may be but Mm -hmm. I would like to see Miami in over Nashville, even though that means we would then have to play them, and, and they do. I am more afraid of them than I am of Nashville as a Philadelphia fan. New England, Montreal, I guess I'd root for Montreal just because I think the Canadian teams have had a tougher go of it. I, obviously, Toronto has done incredibly well, but the way that the Canadian lockdowns for COVID and restrictions for COVID have not allowed these Canadian teams to really go home. I kind of root for them in, in whatever they're going for. Plus Thierry Henry is the head coach. Yeah. Obviously, you know, legend there. No matter what, they'll be exciting to watch. But no matter what, I'm going to be rooting for our Philadelphia Union in the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, Toronto FC after the back of their season, got the second seed, so they'll be playing the higher of the seeds that make it out the play-in round. Also in the East, we have the number four seed, Orlando, facing off against five seed, NYCFC. This is set up to be a great, great game. 
Yeah, I mean, NYCFC dropped some points at the end of the season and therefore dropped some spots at the end of the season. They find themselves down in fifth after a really solid regular season. That matchup's going to be insane no matter who wins. Two very stacked teams, and it's going to, you know, project to be a fairly difficult second-round game. Yes. For the Union assuming the Union can make it through that first-round play-in-game opponent. The matchup that I'm almost a little bit more excited for, though, is the other New York team taking on the Columbus Crew, Mm -hmm. a team that's really given us fits. Matter of fact, I'm pretty happy that, obviously, I'm, I'm taking liberties and assuming we get some victories in these playoffs, but that... Columbus would have to get through the Red Bulls and then the winner of the Toronto matchup in order to possibly have to face us because that Toronto team has been one of the bigger thorns in our side this season. Well, and, well, Toronto in past seasons, yes. Columbus this season. Columbus this season, Toronto in past seasons. Yes, yes. I agree. So I like that they're both on the other side of the bracket and they're going to have to beat up on each other in order to get to us. Mm-hmm. But I'm really excited to see who comes out of that New York Red Bulls Columbus game. That Red Bulls team has really been underachieving of late, and it seems like they're kind of getting their act together right in time for these playoffs. Yep. So I would not be shocked to see an upset there. That game honestly catches my eye. I'm not that there's a bad game of the bunch here. I mean, really, this Orlando-NYC game looks phenomenal. Yeah, this whole Eastern Conference Columbus looks really nice. Columbus versus Rebels looks great. I'm excited to see whatever that matchup is for Toronto, whether it's Toronto versus Montreal or New England or Nashville. I'm The, the Eastern Conference is super exciting. Moving over to the West, that's... Equally, maybe maybe not quite equally as exciting in my mind, but definitely has some interesting matchups. Well, it's also there's a lot of a lot closer to parity in the Western Conference. Yeah, I mean it was a lot more jumbled together, and so you see these teams. I mean, Sporting Kansas City managed to sneak away with the top seed over there in the West after it was really it seemed like every time you looked, the different team was on top toward the end of the season there. They're going to be playing against a San Jose team that really seems like it hasn't had its act together most of this season. Well, they just stumbled their way into the stumbled playoffs. Stumbled their way into the playoffs. I don't imagine that to be too close. I, I think you look to see Sporting Kansas City come away with that. But then when you get down the rest of these Western Conference matchups, I cannot really speak with much certainty to, as, with any of those. I no. mean, you look at Minnesota versus Colorado. Going back to this, uh, going back to the MLS's back tournament in Orlando for when we first started getting sports back, that Minnesota team was upsetting everybody. Mm. It just seems as though they had it figured out. They would score not a ton, but one to two goals a game, and then their defense would keep you off the score sheet. And I've kept an eye on them and kind of liked them ever since. Meanwhile, this Colorado team, again, I feel like just a few weeks ago I even looked and they were at the top of the standings. Yeah. And yet they kind of have been all over the map, took a little bit of a tumble, kind of started to get their footing, took another bit of a tumble. I, I think I expect Minnesota to make it out of that matchup 
because I could have seen Minnesota even sneaking up higher in the seedings. And again, it just seems like when the back is up against the wall, that team actually really knew how to perform. Yeah. And now that we're back into an elimination style tournament, I could really see that. I could see that happening. Thriving in that do or die environment. I do think I see Portland in this Portland Dallas matchup. I think I see Portland in the three and the six here. Mm-hmm. I think I see Portland coming out of that. Well, uh, Portland has been a very good side coming to the end of the season. But this FC Dallas team is quick and they can put up a lot of goals fast. And sometimes, sometimes Portland has trouble keeping up with that. It'll be really interesting to see. Um, I feel I, like that Dallas team just scores really well on the counterattack, and they—they, they, you're right. They, I mean, they can score like two goals in ten minutes on two chances, or they could be being outshot nine to two and have two goals, and yeah. so they convert the opportunities they're given, mm-hmm. which is huge. But I think Portland's the better side. Yes, it's just a matter of if if they have their day or not. Yeah. You know? And and I don't like betting against the Tar Brothers either. The last matchup is the one I think I'm most excited about. This one's Western going to Conference. be crazy. Especially now that Carlos Vela's returned. He's back. LAFC against the Seattle Sounders. LAFC has been kind of a mess all season mm-hmm. after being the most dominant team in the league last year. Now gets their superstar back just in time for a push to the playoffs. It's going to be exciting. Mm-hmm. Seattle, on the other hand, perennially, I mean, really always, mm-hmm. one of, if not the powerhouses. Yeah, I mean, I I haven't seen them finish worse than three seeds in yeah, ever. how knows long. So we're going to have a ton of exciting games to watch here in the MLS Cup. Looking forward to seeing how this plays out. That's all starting up, I believe, November twentieth. Mm-hmm. So we we'll got the the beginning of the playoff playing games. Yeah, play playing games are on the twentieth. So it'll be exciting. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, we'll I'm sure we'll have a little bit to talk about next week, gearing up to this a little bit more. Any final thoughts? Just go Union. Uh, we've got NBA news to talk about because we have player reps okaying the December 22nd start of the 74-game season. Yeah, which this is huge. Adam Silver was making a really hard push to get them started before Christmas. They want to have Christmas Day games. That's a huge moneymaker for the league. And they were saying it would have been a major revenue loss of possibly like 2 to $4 billion even if they had to push the start back till January. Mm-hmm. So big win for Adam Silver. Adam Silver is the biggest winner out of all of this. I'm sure he had to throw a, a bone the player's way in order to get them to agree to this. And yeah. maybe that'll come out in the CBA. Maybe it'll come out with some bonuses. Maybe it'll come out with the Olympic negotiations. I don't know. But a huge win for Adam Silver, a huge win for NBA fans. Player reps okaying that December 22nd start, obviously. The player reps being the biggest hurdle in a return to play. Absolutely. Other news, we have the NBA draft coming up on November 18th. 
we have the top three, kind of the consensus top three, LaMelo Ball, James Weissman, and Anthony Edwards. A lot of people think LaMelo's the, the guy, maybe the highest ceiling with superstar talent. James Weissman, on the other hand, is kind of a freak specimen big man. And Anthony Edwards, perimeter player, could provide some much-needed shooting help to one of those teams, and it's going to be interesting to see. Timberwolves with the top pick, the Warriors with the second pick. There's a lot of mystery surrounding what these teams want to do, who they want to take if they're open to trading. So we're going to have a lot of things to keep an eye on with that, moving, you know, as the next couple of weeks unfold. Yeah. Apparently, though, the Spurs I saw were considering even a, a move with the, the Warriors, shopping LaMarcus Aldridge over there, which can you imagine adding LaMarcus Aldridge to that Warriors team as Clay and Steph are coming back healthy? Mm-hmm. In an effort to maybe, you know springboard a rebuild Mm -hmm. which i'd be curious i mean they are a little bit in no man's land right now the spurs they were fighting for a playoff spot coming into the playoffs last season and and greg popovich isn't getting any younger yeah so if i were to be starting a rebuild i think i would want pop there to help plant the seeds but on the same token, it's kind of hard to bring people in to buy into a pop culture if it pop culture. Yes. If it's obvious he's not going to be sticking around for the long haul. Yeah, that's it's a really interesting question with whether or not we see the Spurs uh, go into you know a rebuild mode. Popovich has been probably by far the best coach of our lifetimes maybe not by far and well i get it i mean i would say of our fanhoods lifetime you're still dealing with phil jackson you're still dealing with a lot of those okay you know what i mean because we were both born because we're technically born yeah but then none of, we, we weren't born, processing the yeah information. we were born before george we second three P. yeah we well okay so we weren't looking at the tv and being like but, i really respect and when we, respect when phil jackson's development of the culture when we've been yeah. able to comprehend and, and you know, yes. intellectually discuss sport. Yes. Greg Popovich really, you know, I'd say since the year 2000, is far and away the best coach we've ever seen. Yes. I, I mean, there are some other Hall of Fame coaches in there, but I don't know if any of them are as good as Greg Popovich. I don't know if any of them will have the dynasty, the legacy, the class that Greg Popovich has. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I, I think it's going to I think it's fair to say that he's the best coach I mean of our lifetime in that sense, but you know, I just wanted to make sure we weren't of the technical timeline is preserved. He's he's the best NBA coach we've got to see. Yeah. In the past 20 years. Uh that being all that being said, where LaMarcus Aldridge goes is definitely an interesting question. Yeah, if he goes. If I he wouldn't goes. be shocked to see Popovich continue to try and just 
roll it back with the team he had. I mean, that's the thing is you're never going to expect him to not be competitive. Yeah, it's not like he's out of it, even if he doesn't have the you know the best roster in his conference. Meanwhile, LaMelo Ball's draft stock is something that's been really up in the air. And, and again, I think that could even be tied, I don't want to say tied to, but we could see that. LaMarcus Aldridge spurs, you know, aspect being tied to that. I mm-hmm. mean, LaMelo, some people say he's the shoe-in number one pick. Some people are curious if he, he could slide because of whether it's the ball brand and name and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. or what that comes with that. Yeah, or whether it's, I don't know, the fact that he didn't do the whole college thing and, and he was playing overseas. I mean, there's all sorts of... There's all sorts of, you know, variables that could go into this, mm-hmm. but it's going to be interesting to see how these teams react. I mean, again, the Timberwolves number one overall pick. There's no, they have not said publicly whether they want them or not. Mm-hmm. The Warriors number two overall pick, with the aging superstars that they have, while you do want to restock the cupboard, it also might be worth it again to bring in a guy like Lamarcus Aldridge to bring in an established talent, to, to flip that number two overall pick for somebody who can help you win immediately because you already have the rest of the pieces in place to win immediately and make a run because that Western Conference got a whole lot tougher since Clay Thompson and Durant and all those guys got hurt and went down. and and The power vacuum was filled with Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James. Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, Paul George, Anthony Davis, that that Western Conference isn't going to be as much of a cakewalk for that Golden State team, even with a healthy Clay and a healthy Steph. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to need that backup. I'm curious to see what happens there. Yes. We're also carefully watching what happens with Giannis. Yeah, Giannis Antetokounmpo is, is really the watches on. The timer is started for the Milwaukee Bucks, whether they're going to get a deal done, whether they're going to consider a trade what whether it makes sense for Giannis to hold out an extra year I mean remember a lot of these super maxes and these crazy deals in the NBA are based around percentage of the league salary cap etc with the numbers all in limbo with COVID and everything going on right now you don't know what those numbers are going to look like does it is it better for him to sign it sooner or later I, I'm I'm sure everybody is on the edge of their seat. I'm sure there are 29 NBA general managers salivating with their eyes on the news feed to see if there are any updates. I'm curious what's going to happen. I mean, it's two-time now reigning league MVP. Very rare do you see them play out the final year of their deal. So. It is. It will be. That'll will be, be basically the big news of the NBA to keep an eye on throughout the offseason, whenever that may be, even though it is now shaping up for that December restart. Moving on from the NBA, another league that hopefully they'll be looking to get started sooner rather than later mm-hmm. the NHL. Not a ton of updates there. Nope, just a couple. Some of... restricted free agents yeah. uh, have been re-signing or signing their tenders. Getting some deals done. A little bit done. of housekeeping type stuff. The Islanders signed Ryan Pulak to a two-year, $10 million extension. 
the Rangers also signed, was that Ryan Strom? Yeah, it's the younger brother. Yeah, to a two-year, $9 million deal. That's a fun name. The Blues. Yeah, Vladislav Gerikov. Yeah, great. What is that? Alliteration. That's like New Englander, Massachusetts. Yeah, right? uh, yeah. Uh, you know what? So funny. He's from Columbia. Oh, yeah. Who'd have thunk it? Crazy. And the Stars re-sign Rupins to a three-year, $9.45 million contract, 3.15 annually. Again, just some housekeeping stuff there. On a more somber note, mm-hmm. and we want to pay our remembrance, but also the NHL pays its remembrance to television legend. Mm-hmm. Recently departed Alex Trebek. Yes, we lost Alex Trebek. We lost this Alex past Trebek, week. and the NHL community lost Alex Trebek. He was a big NHL fan. Yes, the Ontario native. Ontario native, Canadian. Maybe that's why he was so friendly. Big hockey and sports guy in general, but, you know, Alex Trebek, 8,000 episodes, 37 years, 35 enemy, er, en- enemies. <laughs> 35 Emmys. Yeah. Just class Zero act. enemies. Zero and en- exactly. Zero enemies. 35 Emmys. Uh, but just a class act really was, I mean, it was part of my household. Absolutely. Mine too. Up, and yeah. I uh, feel Will like Fortune, just about everybody Jeopardy. can say that, especially there's kind of a, that, that older generation uh, kind of growing up before the internet, those game shows and, and those nightly television shows yeah. were a huge part of everybody's nightly routine, their nightly agenda. And Alex Trebek, it feels like somebody who's been part of your, you know, dinner table, part of, part of your nightly routine for really, really my whole life is yeah. now gone. So we will, uh, the sports world, us here at Balls Over the Top, and just about everybody will remember him fondly and uh, thoughts, prayers, and wishes with the Trebek, the Trebek family. family. Yeah. And, you know, it sounded like he went peacefully with his family around and... You know, yeah. just a, a, a sad day. Another casualty of 2020. Yes. Sad. Sad all around. Well, we've got plenty of oddball stuff to talk about, especially because we do have some gaps in the major leagues as far as game action goes. We've got the Masters coming up. Yeah, obviously a lot of people are excited. Tiger Woods coming back after his really improbable and incredible run last year to win it. People still have a lot of pressure on him. I mean, this is one of the biggies, the Masters. It really doesn't get any bigger than Augusta. And that'll be a lot of fun to watch. You know, Tiger and Phil, the old guard. You know, Rory, Bryson DeChambeau, Schultz. A lot of those young guys who who have also been a lot of fun. And so it'll be... We'll be keeping our eyes on it, obviously. Not used to having the Masters in November, but it will be exciting nonetheless. Meanwhile, we saw Christopher Nickich become the first person with Down Syndrome ever to compete in the Ironman competition. To complete it. To complete, sorry, to complete the Ironman competition. Yeah. That's really impressive. Obviously, yeah. it's impressive when anybody completes the Ironman competition let alone somebody who has to deal with the additional setbacks or challenges of having Down syndrome 
And so, obviously, we're very happy anytime we see somebody who's differently abled, uh, still able to conquer and overcome these challenges that are already an incredible feat for an able-bodied individual. Obviously, we we are all inspired to see somebody who is, I don't want to say less capable, or obviously, yeah. I don't want to be using any disrespectful verbiage here, but, you know, somebody who has, a, like I said, additional challenges to still be able to rise up, conquer those, and still achieve the impressive feats i mean that's really it's yep. really inspiring no it's i mean it's a it's a brutal competition it requires a lot of hard work and dedication and training and it really shows that you know a lot of the barriers that you know we create and we put up are just just barriers and then you can get around them work through them get over them it's a yeah. it's an impressive feat and uh, it's an inspiring story yeah Meanwhile, uh, we did see something that we should be striving not to do. Yes, the opposite. The opposite. And that is we watched as Notre Dame upset the top team in the country, Clemson, even though they didn't have their Heisman Trophy quarterback, Trevor yeah. Lawrence. Or have you Heisman candidate. I don't think he's actually won it. No, he didn't win it. He, he, he was a candidate. He's a candidate, yeah. but, you know. All of the players, or not players, all of the fans, albeit a limited capacity, mm -hmm. thought it was a good idea to then charge and rush the field afterwards. Yes. Basically moshing in the field, totally disregarding all social distancing protocols, despite the fact that they were given strict social distancing protocols in order to get into the game in the first place. And it's pretty insane. Uh, apparently all of the... Students are being required to get COVID tests, and any students who do not comply will be barred from registering from classes. Yeah, I mean... I, I don't think that's insane, by the way. I think that's the most reasonable. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it, it's it's good for Notre Dame to get out in front of this a bit, uh, having to deal with, you know, the students and outside the classroom and stuff. This is this was essential. You need to you need to put this testing policy into place, and you really have to be looking at other college football programs and really trying to make sure that this doesn't happen across the NCAA again this season. Especially as we see possibly a second wave creeping up on us, it could be uh, it could be quite the issue. Uh, we've got a little bit of UFC news to talk about. Uh, Amanda Nunez pulls out of UFC 256, citing a serious med medical issue. This is unfortunate. Amanda Nunez is dominant. She's the champ. She's beaten all the competitors that have been thrown her way. Uh, and she's just an extremely tough lady, so having her pull out of this UFC main event, uh, it really sucks. It really sucks when injuries set this back and and hold people back. But that's not the only UFC stuff we have to talk about. Because yeah, we saw a rather disgusting, really, really disgusting, as a matter of fact... I just, even this moment that we're in, like, this very moment, 
double-checked something in my notes. I had to look it up again real quick because I wanted to make sure I, I got the name right and saw a picture of it and had to stop myself from audibly reacting. But we saw a fight in the UFC this past weekend on the UFC fight night in Las Vegas between Max Griffin and Ramiz Brimaj. And it was called in the third round after Brahmash took a really tough elbow to the ear. And it pretty much just took his ear right off. It pretty much fell off. His ear was hanging on by a thread. There was like a giant gash where the ear is supposed to go. <laughs> it's not supposed to be removable. And then below it dangling was the ear part <laughs> of the ear. It was pretty nuts. It was pretty gnarly. It's, it's, I want to say worth checking out, but I almost don't want to be responsible for these possible yeah. therapy bills that you guys might incur from checking this out. It's but gross. The entire fight world reacted. I mean, it was a really gruesome injury from Brahma. Brahmash was the one injured. I was going to say, yes. yeah. It's a gruesome injury to suffer. I mean, hell of an elbow from Max Griffin. And unbelievable. I mean, Bravage was mad at the referee for calling the fight. He thought it was premature and irresponsible. The ref, in the moment, I Yeah, mean, but there's he, no mirrors in the octagon. Contesting, yeah, but if there were an octagon, man, I would have. Whoo. Gross. So, yeah, that was, a, that was a pretty crazy thing to see. I mean,. Usually don't see the, you know, both fighters were just squared up against each other in the ring a few feet apart, and the referee just stormed in and called it off. And then they're like, oh yeah, look at his ear. And then you can totally <laughs> do why. So, uh, moving on to Major League Baseball. The award season has started, and we have some things to talk about here in... Philly, which is Alec Baum, mm -hmm. is uh, was one of the finals for the NL Rookie of the Year, mm -hmm. but it looks like he lost out yeah. to Devin Williams of the Brewers. AL Rookie of the Year was Kyle Lewis of the Mariners. And that was unanimous. Yeah. So we do see, though, a lot of the war seasons, they're starting to trickle out. We're still keeping an eye on MVP Cy Young. and Cy Young Awards. We did see, I know we mentioned this last week, but Tony La Russa being hired by the White Sox at age 76, which raised a lot of eyebrows around the league. We found out that he was charged with a DUI in Arizona. Yeah, apparently. Just a few months ago while yeah, he was working as Well, he just got charged, but it, the incident happened six months ago. Yeah, and the White Sox said they were aware of it. He crashed his car into a curb in a single vehicle incident, mm -hmm. waited with the vehicle, did call the police, you know, acted appropriately after the fact. Apparently he had been drinking with some associates of his from the Angels organization where he was working as a, like, as a scout slash analyst type, analyst type you know, advisor role. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. A little, I don't want to say comical, obviously. It, it well, the only under the influence is never comical. The only thing that was comical was that after they uh, tried to 
get him to submit to a breathalyzer, he refused. So they made him get a warrant to get a blood sample tested. And in the peace officer's report, Tony LaRusa became argumentative. <laughs> yeah, he pulled a Karen. Uh, oh, Tony LaRusa? You telling me Tony LaRusa, the baseball manager that invented he, the game himself? Did he get thrown out yeah. by the by the officer? Yeah, <laughs> he got ejected from the uh, from the holding cell. No, it's uh it's an interesting story. We'll see what happens, but probably probably not expecting too much to come of it. Speaking of not expecting too much to come of it, kind of as we expected, Justin Turner was not punished at all by Major League Baseball following his blatant disregard for COVID protocols after he tested positive, but then still went out to celebrate with his team following their World Series victory over the Tampa Bay Rays. Maskless. He did go out maskless. He was posing in jumping and shouting around with pictures, hugging people, around people with their wives, children, family members, etc. MLB just kind of swept it under the rug, announcing there would be no penalties or punishment for Turner. Right in the middle of the MLB, or not the MLB, right in the middle of the presidential election, they just kind of snuck that in there, hoping nobody would care. I still think this is a little... Immature and irresponsible of the league after their whole season was put in jeopardy because of COVID-19, and we saw a number of teams really ravaged by it, only because Turner is and was a player rep for the Dodgers, in that he was one of the people in charge of creating and implementing the COVID rules and responses. If he were anybody else on the team then, I wouldn't be holding him to that high of a standard, but I think because... He did have that role and was in that position. There should be some form of reprimanding or repercussion for his actions. Yeah. Because you know he knew better. Yeah. Um, well, maybe they're counting public shame. Uh, as... They cited uh, apparently there was a miscommunication. Apparently there were some people that told him he could go back out. And so they, because there was enough miscommunication, they were saying it was. Yeah, and uh, he's getting it in the public eye. Rough well, enough. He's about to go into the free agency anyway. And get he paid. doesn't really mind. He's yeah, going to get paid whatever. big money and people aren't going to care. But he might not get paid that big of money. No. If you don't recall, the last few off seasons, there's been a little bit of a stalemate between Major League Baseball players and teams. A lot of the big players that you were expecting to get really big contracts like, like Dallas Keuchel or, or I'm forgetting the name of him, that one really good closer... They, they've all kind of had, like I said, these, these stalemates with ownership and haven't been getting the paydays. And owners have said it was a little bit of them trying to put their foot down on the ludicrous contracts that a lot of these players have been commanding, i.e. look at Mike Trout or Manny Machado or even our own Bryce, Bryce Harper. Harper. But there's been just this kind of Lack of interest, it almost seems like, where their phone isn't ringing for a lot of these, a lot of these play, uh, a lot of these players, and then they end up having to sign some deal into the start of training camps and spring training, that ends up being really a, almost like a one-year bargain, 
you know, prove themselves type deal when these players were already expecting, especially yeah. the way MLB free agency works. Yeah, they were all pretty much... They were know. expecting to be getting ready to sign their big deals because you don't get to enter free agency until you're 28, 29, sometimes 30. And so, you know, you don't want to... You've already had your try it out and see years. You've already, you've already proven yourself. Mm-hmm. So we might see that get even worsened this year. We see that get exacerbated this year by the fact that Cleveland Indians looks like are shopping Francisco Lindor and a lot of their other starters because citing a lack of revenue. And they're not really a too small market of a team. I mean, they're in Cleveland, which is yeah. a pretty big city. Relative to other baseball cities? Yeah, they've been fairly competitive the last few seasons. And yet they're citing the revenue losses from coronavirus as a reason why they don't think they can afford to give Lindor a big extension. So they want to try and trade him before that, before they're put in a position where they have to do that. I think this is going to be a big problem for major league baseball. I think we're going to see the talent gap grow. And while it was fun to see a team like Tampa in the world series where they're, I think like 22nd in payroll, and to see a team like the Marlins make the playoffs this year where they were kind of dead and buried by just about everybody coming into the season, we're going to see a lot of these mid-market, lower-market teams not be able to retain their stars because of this COVID revenue loss because the players are still going to want the money that they were trending to make in their minds. And we're going to see teams like the Dodgers, like the Yankees, like the Phillies, be willing to reach into their pockets, pay these players, and we're going to see these rosters get, I think, even more off balance yeah. as these, I mean, who do you want more than Francisco Lindor? He's been, he's been one of the best players in the league at his position, defensively and offensively. He's a clubhouse guy. Everybody loves playing with him. He's coachable. He, he's a great base runner. He's, I mean, you look at all of the things that yeah. you point to and, and he's young and why would you not want to build around him as a franchise it should never be we can't afford to pay the player contracts. That's absurd. These major league franchises are worth billions of dollars. They're they're getting tons of money from TV revenues. Like, and I do get the COVID things are are a concern, and obviously it, I'm sure, threw a monkey wrench in their books. But this is just to say you this can't keep your real, star talent that you say, already have. You yeah, know? to say that exactly. We're not even talking about landing free agents mm. we're talking about retaining the talent you have if that if that's really the the truth then this could be the first sign of a really big problem for yeah. a lot of these mid-market small it could market be the teams. first horseman of the apocalypse that's for sure <laughs> well we have a little bit more to talk about because we got some nfl news the raiders were penalized by the nfl for their violations of COVID protocols and all the uh, player safety measures that the NFL put in place. Yeah, it's been pretty crazy. I mean, the Raiders were hit with some pretty significant fines. They said that, I mean, all in all, they're coming away with over a million dollars in fines and it's looking like they might lose a draft pick they said that the league the, the league no they did lose a draft pick 
They lost. They lost a sixth round draft pick for 2021, and it said continued violations could see them lose either additional draft picks or see that draft pick turned into a higher draft pick, which is crazy. I mean, we have seen obviously again we saw the Patriots lose a first round pick with the Deflate Gate. We've seen you know we have seen teams the Saints I'm pretty sure lost a first round pick with Bounty Gate. So we have seen these penalties happen in the past, but usually it's when they're, you're seeing blatant and systematic disregard for rules in a way that gives you any form of a competitive advantage or is, you know, harming your opponent. Where I guess you could argue that COVID is harming your opponent and all those kinds of things, but... Detrimental to the league. Yeah, but, I mean, this is pretty significant, especially when we really haven't seen a tremendous COVID outbreak in Vegas. I mean, the the Raiders team and organization have not had to reschedule, postpone, put any players on the COVID list that were big contributors missing key games. I mean, you look at a team like the Titans or a team like the Patriots and the impact of their lack of handling on the COVID virus has had a far bigger negative impact on the league than I'd say what the Raiders have done. And yet the Raiders are the ones coming out of here with a draft pick taken away. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, but I guess that means lesson learned, right? You know, you can't, you can't afford to lose draft picks. It's how you replenish. It's how you keep your system working. So it's, it's a, I guess a necessary strike against people not taking the policy serious enough. Yeah. Elsewhere, we saw Christian McCaffrey come back off the injured reserve and really explode, picking up right where he left off against the Kansas City Chiefs. The Panthers, really competitive in that game, looked like they were going to win it for a while before falling just short. Unfortunately for McCaffrey fantasy owners, or just McCaffrey fans, he did seem to injure his shoulder and ribs right in the very last few moments of that game. He is day-to-day now. Hopefully it's nothing too serious. I mean, the league is a lot more fun to watch with Christian McCaffrey in it. Absolutely. But, yeah, that was an exciting moment for that Panthers team. I mean, Matt Rule really has those boys playing down there in Charlotte, and Teddy Bridgewater's looking more and more like the real deal. Guys like Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore and these guys that were kind of, I don't want to say cast-offs, but, you know, not considered your big time NFL no journeyman performers yeah exactly journeyman and yet that offense is looking very formidable and the defense even without Luke Keekley has still shown to be you know pretty impressive in their own right obviously that's where they're going to need to improve if they're going to want to start to compete with Tampa and the Saints in that division but Matt Rule right in the ship down there putting the pieces together yeah speaking of uh putting the pieces together mm-hmm. pretty exciting game between miami and arizona absolutely two young exciting quarterbacks Tua Tungvaluwa facing off against kyler murray and Tua comes out on top doing it through the air doing it with his legs um, this Dolphin team looks very revitalized coming out of their bye week, coming off back-to-back victories. 
it'll be interesting to see what Tua time means means for them and for the uh, rest of their division. Yeah, I mean, we saw a crazy matchup tonight as the Patriots barely escaped the Jets, hitting a game-winning field goal. The Patriots have been underperforming. The Bills have been, I'd argue, overperforming. Not overperforming. I mean, they're a good team and all, and yeah. they played well last year. But, you know, I mean, this Miami team is still right in the thick of things. I'm, what, now 6-3 and three following their most recent victory? 3-6. Three, 6-3? Three and six. Six and three? Are they 6-3? and three? Yeah. My God, the season's got away from me. Yeah. So, because they were 5-3 and three coming into this game. So. Oh, my God. You know, it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty insane to see how this season wraps up. I mean, this Miami team could very well see themselves competing for a playoff spot, especially if we have an expanded playoff field. But more on that in a moment. Well, actually, why don't we just jump into it now? We're talking. We, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, I guess the rest of our news is NFC related. So yeah, I mean, we could see that Miami team sneak into the playoffs because it looks like the NFL is mulling, expanding the playoffs even more. This past offseason, we saw them agree on an expansion that would take place immediately for this year, where they were expanding it from 12 playoff teams per conference to... Well, yeah, 12 playoff teams total, 6 per conference, to 14 playoff teams total, 7 per conference. It eliminated the first-round bye for the second seed, and therefore... You would have two playing seven, three playing six, four playing five, and then proceed the following week as you did previously. Mm-hmm. They're contemplating bumping it up to sixteen. Yes. Now pending, I think it's I think it's pending if there's any more cancellations of major games. Yeah. So it is. And it'll be interesting. Obviously, I think this could even be something that they bump out even further beyond just this year. They're citing it being for COVID and COVID complications, but, but it money. comes down to revenue and money and more playoff teams equals more playoff games equals more money. It's hard to tell whether or not this would mean that it would be the elimination of all bye weeks or if it would mean the reinstating of the bye week for the second seed. I'm not sure, but it's fun to keep an eye on. Like I said, that could open the door for that Miami team to possibly grab one of the uh, an additional wild card spot, even though we're already seeing that could that wild card spot could be within grasp anyway. Yes. So uh, that that'll be a lot of fun. It'll be a lot of fun to keep an eye on. As I said before, we have some NFC news as well. We didn't really mean to break it up by a conference like that, but just so happened that our last bullet points here are all AFC or NFC related. Mm-hmm. Cowboys took it to the Steelers, but lost. Yes, it was actually a really impressive game. I got to give it to them. Really battered, beaten up. They're lacking weapons and pride at this point. They uh, they mustered up the energy to really keep it close. But the Steelers ended up sneaking away with it at the end. Mike Tomlin securing his 14th winning season, impressive, with the Steel- with the Steelers. And they are still undefeated. Yep. 
We also saw another really staple head coach prove he's going to be sticking around just a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Pete, Pete Carroll, or Cheat Carroll as I like to call him. I'm not a fan of this coach. Just signed an extension to stay with the Seattle Seahawks through 2025. Interesting tidbit is he's already the league's oldest coach. I believe he's 69 years old. So uh, this has him sticking around through age 74. That's pretty impressive. It'll be interesting to see if he does stay through the length of the contract. Odds are he will, as Russell Wilson will most likely still be slinging it for them. Mm -hmm. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yep. If it works, it works. What wasn't working this past weekend was... Anything the Bucks were trying to do as they got blown out by the Saints. Yeah, they got absolutely demolished. Thirty-eight to three, I believe, was the mm-hmm. final score. The Buccaneers got a field goal at the end when it was already well out of grasp. Something interesting I saw here, though: fewest rushing attempts in a game in over a hundred years by Tampa Bay. They had. It technically was five rushing attempts, but one of them was a kneel on the last play of the game. So really, four rushing attempts Mm -hmm. for the entire game. A whole football game. Yep. Where you only ran the ball four times. Yep. Well, we can say right now, does not prove to be successful. That is astonishing. That is astonishing. It's ridiculous. Especially even once the score is like 35 to nothing, why wouldn't you even just be running the clock, running the ball to end it sooner? Yeah. Like, get out of there. Even if you're not obviously doing that, but throw in a draw. Throw it like something. Something. Wow. Wow. Saw Leonard Fournette, one rush, zero yards. Ronald Jones, three rushes, nine yards. And Blaine Gabbert. One kneel, or I guess one rush, negative one yard. I, I just, unbelievable. 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 I don't have any other words. Yeah. I, I just, it's it's astonishing that an NFL head coach and Bruce Arians as, as experienced and accredited as Bruce Arians is. Four rushing attempts. One per quarter. Didn't work. You could argue it worked better than their, all, than their passing game. Uh, like Tom Brady's three interceptions. Yeah, so... Jameis on the opposite sideline saying, I could have done that. Exactly. It's, it's unbelievable. Meanwhile, we did see another really just unfortunate quarterback injury in the yeah. NFC East. Kyle Allen had a pretty gruesome ankle injury, and it was an ankle dislocation and fracture. He's going to be out for the season, maybe longer. I wonder what his career will look like at this point. I mean, I was already kind of trending to be nowhere, no man's land, journeyman, backup type thing. Really gruesome injury, and, and he gets... Relieved by another survivor of a gruesome injury, Alex Smith, mm-hmm. who throw, comes back, actually makes it a game against the Giants. And at the time, they were getting really crushed, too. I think it was like a 20-point game. And he comes in, gets it down to the wire, 
did have a couple of ugly turnovers, but does also throw his first touchdown pass since 2018. And now that he will be the starter for the rest of the season, barring injury, it looks like he pretty much locks up that comeback player of the year award as well. Yeah, well, I mean, after that splintering fracture of... Well, and then getting, like, what was it, like a staph infection infection, or MRSA or whatever, and then, like, almost lost the leg and then almost died, and then, like, yeah, I mean, he definitely deserves it. I mean, Alex Smith... Then an earthquake happened. Then they fell into the tub. Alex Smith, hell of a quarterback. Yeah. He's been around, it feels like, forever. I mean, San Fran. It was a crazy... I mean, he was the first overall pick in the draft for for the Niners in, I think, 2005. Yeah. So, you know, had a good run with Kansas City, helped turn that whole Chiefs franchise around before they got Patrick Mahomes. And so, you know, I'd like to see him do well. Obviously, I don't love the Washington football team, and I I don't root for them to do super well because they're in our division. But Mm -hmm. I want to see Alex Smith do well. I wish him good health. I hope that he finishes this season healthy. And really, that's that's about all I can hope for. Good for yeah. him. So that's about all we got, actually. Yeah, that wraps it up. This is a pretty long one. Yeah, so we are going to let you guys go. Thanks for sticking around. Thanks for listening. We will definitely have some exciting things to talk about this upcoming Thursday when we have our NFL preview and prediction show. We also still have some stickers available for you guys. Two and a half inch vinyl stickers. Hit us up in our comments or socials or privately if you have the info to get yourselves one of them. And you can also find us at our socials at BOTT Podcast on both Instagram and Twitter. And this podcast is available on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor.fm or anywhere you get your podcast. And we love hearing from you guys. So we will uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening guys. Have a good one.